You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. This morning, we wanted to offer a content warning. Today's service is led by Brittany Richardson, and in it, she shares extensively about her struggles with depression and suicide attempt. If this topic may be difficult for you, or if you're listening with children, you may want to skip this episode. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here again this Sunday morning as we're meeting virtually. Um, And I am excited this morning that we have Brittany Richardson, who is with us, and she is a a longtime uh, friend and part of this community here at Central. Um, And this morning, she is going to be um, preaching and sharing with us and um, speaking about the intersection of faith and mental health and spirituality and I'm so excited to have her back here. It's always a treat to have you, Brittany. Um, If you're newer to the community and haven't had a chance to um, see Brittany uh, or to know her, um, she has a a great um, uh, story and she has been a part of uh, work um, overseas in Uganda. Is that correct, Brittany? Kenya. Kenya, I'm so sorry, thank you. and, uh, and she has worked um, with young girls in the most difficult situations and has been involved in work to stop uh, trafficking. Um, she has been uh, a writer of her own one woman show and, uh, and she came and uh, presented that for us at Central uh, a couple of years ago. Um, gosh, it's so long ago before We've been meeting here for a year and a half virtually. Um, But anyways, if this is your first time um, with Brittany, I'm so glad that you get to be here. And Brittany, we're so glad that you're here to be a part of uh, uh, this service and what we're doing. Of course, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, we will be taking communion later in the service here. And so uh, if you haven't done so already, please feel free to grab whatever elements that you have uh, lying around. Um, Whatever is going to be the bread and cup for you this morning is great. And uh, Max will lead us a little bit later in a time of communion. And we'll make all of our uh, Cheez-Its and uh, coffee beans and uh, whatever else those things are, our sacred communion together. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, I've been thinking a lot uh, about this uh, Sunday, um, this week, especially in light of um, the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. And this comes in such a difficult and complicated political time where we have just been navigating a withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan that were there in response to the attacks that took place two decades ago. And I don't think we're any closer to truly understanding what it means to bring peace and wholeness and healing um, to this world. And so as uh, as I've been thinking about it this week, I wanted to share um, 
this morning as a part of an opening prayer for us, uh, a statement that was actually put together by um, the national leaders of the United Church of Christ. Um, and then we'll be sharing together in a responsive um, prayer of confession uh, together. And um, that prayer of confession comes from our friends at Enfleshed, uh, who have been a great resource for liturgy for us, for a progressive community like ours. Um, and doesn't specifically, uh, it's not specifically written for 9-11 uh, and remembrance um, uh, and, and prayer around 9-11, but I think it fits very closely. Um, so as we open our service, this morning, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we are your people coming from so many different backgrounds, from so many different experiences. We come with our own brokenness and our own wounds, shaped by them, but also shaped by the people and influences of love and transformation and healing in our lives. God, thank you for calling us into community where we get to impact each other. Help us not to stay complacent with where we are. Help us to grow and be moved and shaped by change. Help us to have the resources to overcome the wounds that bring the worst parts of us to light. We pray for wholeness, not just for us, but for those in this community, in this world. We make these words our prayer this morning from the officers of the United Church of Christ. That is, we've just approached the 20th anniversary. Wounds are still fresh and in need of healing. We also know that the suffering that came from that day is no longer a suffering that we bear alone. The news and images of Afghani families being slaughtered, tortured, and imprisoned in their homeland while waiting for a disappearing America to come to their rescue is heartbreaking. Long after this war began, a war built on American rage, the global empathy was brought forward, was there to be exploited for common good. We're asking hard questions about why we were there, what we've accomplished, and what we're leaving behind in our wake. Time and history may indeed conspire to reveal that there are other options that we had available, ones that bore more hope for better outcomes, both home and abroad. It is our hope and prayer that in this 20th anniversary, we will be rekindled within us, within us all a desire less to retaliate than to heal less to avenge than to understand. The world is a swarm with over 82 million refugees, a figure that only is exacerbated by war that devastate. Terror is not only something to be grieved and avenged, 
it is as well something to be understood. Behind every terror attack is a history of someone else's long suffering, an emerging fear in the aftermath of a 20-year war in Afghanistan and what it's done to exacerbate both their long suffering circumstances and our complicity in creating them. We call for continued prayers for those grieving loved ones who died in the attacks on September 11th, for whom this anniversary serves to reopen those healing wounds. We name our complicity in the ways in which a centered Christianity in America has authorized Islamophobia and marginalized Muslim people. And finally, we embrace the hope that people of faith will unite in a common love for all. That love is the only pathway we see to the vision that we have for a just world for all. Echoing the words of St. Francis, we pray, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is sadness, joy. Amen and Ashe. Amen. I'm going to share my screen here for our prayer of confession. And um, like we've done in the past, if you're comfortable, feel free to unmute yourself. Um, I will pray for us the parts not in bold and we'll respond together uh, with the parts that are in bold. Would you join with me together in this prayer of confession? God of justice, God of compassion, God of sacred and scandalous ways. We have so much still to learn. By your grace, we have come to know love more deeply than once before. It's mess, it's complexity, it's stubborn and tender truths transform us more each day. Through fires that refine and valleys of death, you have guided us. You draw us into the heart of wisdom, saving us from the lies of destruction, turning us toward hope that liberates. But still, O oh God, we struggle to trust in you. We confess that we still shame Jesus when he turns over tables. We confess that we still condemn Jesus when he breaks the rules to which we are loyal. We confess while Jesus is torn from the arms of his mother by ice, killed by his own lovers, so afraid of desiring trans women and sitting alone on the street with no family to welcome them home. Our loyalties are often elsewhere. Our priorities are not our own. Search our hearts, O oh God. See if there is any fear within us. Meet us there with your good news that sets the captives free. 
forgive us from the harm we have done as we seek harm no more. Beloveds, God does not abandon us to the system that destroys. God does not bind us with our regrets or forever hold us to what we once believed. God says, come and follow. No forgiveness and sin no more. Love abounds and justice shall be manifest. Wherever new life is desired, may the peace of Christ be welcomed among us. Thanks be to God who leads us on the path of resurrection. Amen. Amen. Well, as Bob mentioned, uh, we'll transition now into taking communion. So if you've not been able to grab something, please feel free to do so. Um, whatever you have available is what will be the bread um, and cup this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to read for us a prayer uh, as we prepare for communion, and it's called God Calls Us. Hear these words. Community of saints, beloveds of God, we are invited to come and gather at the table of love and liberation, to feast on the dreams of God, to be nourished by but a taste of what God desires to do among us. God calls us from institutional halls of power, from shelters and the streets. God calls us from classrooms and pulpits, gay bars and prison cells, God calls us as we are from wherever we are to come and be in solidarity with Christ who lives and loves on the margins. God whispers, come and live abundantly, turning from all that claims blessings flow from money, power, or control. Come and love relentlessly, following Christ on paths of uncertainty, taking risks for one another, calling down unjust power from its throne and lifting up the lowly, the impoverished, the burdened. To answer the call of Christ is to find ourselves, no matter our social location, choosing to align ourselves with the causes of the marginalized, the oppressed, the outcast, and the isolated with the faith that together we might enflesh new possibilities of healing, of connection, of freedom from all that destroys. When these are the desires of our hearts, we open ourselves to God. Blessed are those, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so let us come to the table, expectant, eager, open, to tasting the rich blessings of heaven born from unexpected places and people and experiences. In this meal, we remember the life, death, and resurrection of the one who still takes on flesh among us today. On the night he would be arrested, Jesus gathered his friends and companions in the midst of a tense and dangerous time. They found each other at the table, connecting over the story of God and fleshed among them. And as they did so, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, and shared it with his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he also took the cup, gave thanks to God, and shared it with his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we pray 
Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God, renewer of life, settle on these gifts and all who gather here, that we might be transformed in our remembrance of your radical love, your eternal embrace, and your grace that makes all things new. For the sake of our shared lives, the life of this land on which we live, and the lives of those yet to come, nourish us and renew our hope that soon Christ may rise again among us. So with that, I invite you to take what it is you have for the bread today. I have alphabet cookie. And the cup, I have coffee. And please uh, take the elements uh, wherever you are today. Amen. Thank you so much, Max. Um, so we have quite a bit going on this month. Um, this Wednesday at six, we'll meet for Froyo at Yoga Ur in Kenneth Village, which is in Glendale. Um, and then next Saturday, Dan and I will be leading a hike over in Eagle Rock. Uh, we'll be hi hiking the Sleepy Hollow Trail um, at six o'clock. And we already posted the All Trails link in the Facebook group. So check that out. And then Saturday, September 25th at Arroyo Park in Pasadena at two o'clock, um, we'll be doing Park Play Day. Um, May will be sending out a children's ministry email with extra details. Um, and then on September 26th, we will be having an in-person service at Aaron and Emily's. And then at the end of the month, we will be volunteering with Essencia. If you're interested in helping out, please reach out to Max and he will get you looped in. Thank you very much. Thanks, Angie. Yeah, there's um, a lot happening. And um, as you know, you know we've, we've all been tremendously restless being separated in the midst of COVID. And just as we thought we would be able to safely occasionally do a service in person, Delta reared its ugly head and has made things more difficult again. So um, I'm thankful for all of you who are interested in the uh, safe outdoor opportunities for us to uh, connect together. And of course, we're still going to be doing all of these services remotely for uh, anyone who is um, still not comfortable meeting together in person. Um, thanks, Herman. I can't, I can't help it. I steal my daughter's snacks uh, when, you know, sometimes it just happens. They're these really terrible buffs. It's, I think it's because they're organic, but they were my communion this morning. <laughs> well, I, uh, I also wanted to um, make sure we set some time aside this morning as we do every week for uh, prayers of the people. And so this is just a time where we can uh, share things that are going on in our lives uh, and, and pray over them together. So if there's anything that's happening, anything that you're celebrating or that you'd like prayer over, you can uh, unmute yourself and let us know or drop that in the comments and we'll pray over those together. And um, as you're doing that, I also want you to know that uh, 
um, we do take note of these things and uh, continue to pray um, throughout the week and to reach out and find out how we can um, best be of help and service to those of you in our community. Um, uh, was there anybody this morning? For the lifting of depression. Yeah. Thanks, Brittany. Let's let's pray for that right now. Gracious God. In life before COVID, but especially in the middle of a time where we've been separated and isolated, um, God, depression and anxiety and mental health concerns are so bound. Um, as each of us struggle with these things uh, in our own ways, for those who have faced especially difficult challenges, and we, we lift them up now. Surround us with communities who care. Surround us with professionals who can help. Show us how we can be lights of hope and life. Reminders that we are not alone we do this life, this faith together. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Bob, I have a personal prayer. Uh, my family, my dad's side of the family is going through a heck of a lot. Uh, I've got one um, family who's my cousin's only son passed away and I don't know the details, but he left behind three children and his wife. Um, she's dealing with that. And then a different cousins, but that are related as well. Their mother, their father passed away in 2018 and now their mother isn't doing well. I think she has Lyme's disease and she just wants to be done. And the, the children are, are, half of them are into that and half of them are not. So they're sort of at odds there. Um, and then my other family, they're just at odds where they haven't spoken to each other and the mother is, I mean, it's sort of a, a mess. So, Gosh. you know, of, 2020 of wasn't uh, real great on that either. Cause it brings in all, all other outside things into inside relationships. So of course. And it's Emily, right? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I've only known you guys virtually. And I know. So it's a little part of the screen. It's so nice <laughs> to have you. I'm so sorry to hear um, about all of that going on. My gosh. Um, let's pray. Gracious God, we lift up Emily and her family, particularly and especially her dad's side of the family. Especially we lift up her uh, cousin uh, whose son passed away and leaves behind his spouse, three children. God, for the loss and the grief that they feel and experience. Um, God, we pray for comfort and peace, whatever that means in these difficult times. We pray for surrounding of family and friends 
people who care. Thank God for the loss of chronic illness and a struggle with Lyme disease and the difficult decisions that come in dealing with chronic and long-term illness and knowing what to do and when to fight and how and how to find peace in people's decisions. God, we lift up our prayers for Emily's family and for our families in general in the midst of a tension brought about by other conflict, tension brought about through COVID and the additional stress of being separated in the way this has been politicized. We pray for wholeness and healing and peace. Bring peace to our families, bring understanding where it seems like there is none. Help us to see the humanity in each other. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I have one. So um, in December, my, um, my stepdad's mom passed away from COVID. And then um, in February, um, her daughter passed away, like really unexpectedly. And they're just now going to be able to have the larger services um, next weekend. Um, just, I think they were just being cautious. I, I don't really know exactly. Um, but so just for the Heffington family. Yeah. Gosh, Desiree, I'm so sorry to hear again of a loss in your family and, um, especially in the loss of your mom and Jeff and coming into COVID and all of this, just know that you've regularly been on the minds and in the prayers of this community. Um, let's pray together. Gracious God, we pray for the Effington family, especially the loss of Jeff's mother and her daughter to COVID. In such a difficult time where we don't always know how to grieve when it's not safe to grieve in the ways that bring comfort. In the middle of such tremendous loss, we pray for comfort and peace. We pray for a spirit of bringing together. Spirit of wholeness. Specifically for the Huffington family. And for Desiree. And for all those who have known and been touched. In such terrible ways. Over this last year and a half. Through COVID. bring peace and wholeness and restoration to our families, to our churches, to our different political allegiances that we can come together and sacrifice for each other. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Well, with that, I will turn things over to Max, who's going to lead us in a time of meditation this morning. Bob, um, I am going to be playing uh, a recitation of uh, a very famous poem that you're probably familiar with, at least in some capacity, but especially as we invite um, Brittany this morning to talk on her, the work that she does and her organization, Abolition and Art. Um, I thought it would be a good uh, week to hear again as we have in the past too, um, but um, a work of, of Maya Angelou and Caged Bird. Um, so this one is a recitation interspliced between her um, and um, a number of students. Um, so I hope you enjoy. It's just about a minute or so long. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the currents end and, and dips his wings in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped, his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The free bird thinks of another breeze and the trays went soft through the cyan trees. And the fat one waiting on the dawn bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on a grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare screams. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hills for the caged bird sings of freedom. So a short but powerful um, reading. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the link so you can read it um, as many times as you'd like, and I do invite you to read it through again. Uh, but just a powerful testament to liberation, abolition, freedom, <clears throat> and the songs we carry. Uh, so let that be what it is this morning. And then I'm, I, I guess I'll, I'll do, Bob, I don't know if you had planned any particular intro. Oh, you're right, yeah, go, go ahead, Max, happy to. As, as, Bob, uh, as Bob mentioned earlier, we are, we are just so happy to have Brittany Richardson with us again. Sorry, you might hear my daughter trying to knock down the door. Uh, but Brittany, uh, so good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Um, I'll turn it over to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's so, so good to be back with you guys. Even just the beginning of service, I just, it feels so good to just be in this community. This community is so beautiful and I always feel so at home here. I'm actually in LA. That's why I reached out to Aaron. Um, and that's when he was like, oh, you should come speak. So um, I'm looking forward to being able to be at some of the in-person things as well and see you guys around. Um, so when Aaron asked me to speak, I was thinking of, you know, sharing about 
some hopeful message about, you know, our work in Kenya. And I decided to be honest instead. Um, I decided to tell you guys why I'm really here. And the reason that I'm here in LA um, is because um, right before I came, about three days before I came, I had a suicide attempt. And my family brought me over to try and have some time to heal and try and um, overcome the things that have been really causing this depressive episode in me lately. Um, and I wanted to share about that. I wanted to share about how, what depression has taught me about hope. Instead of giving stories of hope, I want to teach what I've learned from depression about hope because I can finally say I'm at a place where I do have hope again after being absolutely hopeless. Um, as most of you know, if you've seen my show, I started um, experiencing deep depression when I got my diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder in 2017. Um, I was living in Kenya and I was working with young girls who have survived sexual violence and I didn't realize that because I hadn't dealt with my own trauma of being a survivor of childhood sexual violence, hearing the hearing rape stories from eight, nine, 10 year olds every day. And it, it just, it began to wear on me and I became traumatized. And I began to experience vicarious trauma, but also PTSD from my own experience. And it triggered me into an episode and I had my first psychotic break. And that depression, just that overwhelm from the sadness, that overwhelm from just feeling like this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like life isn't supposed to hurt this bad, not just for me, but also for my girls was completely overwhelming. It completely overwhelmed me in a way that I could feel the pain in my heart. I could feel the pain in my soul, in my spirit, in my body. I just became completely overwhelmed with pain. And as I was going through that, it's the first time that I was hospitalized and I had a series of hospitalizations. And those hospitalizations looked a lot like just being deeply painfully depressed and waking up, being given some medicine to put me back to sleep and falling back asleep and then wake up and being deeply painfully depressed, given more medication and going back to sleep. And during that time, I just decided if I get through this, if I ever get back to this place again, I'm never doing this again. This is no way to live. The pain that I was in, I knew, I said, I, it's unbearable. The pain was just absolutely unbearable. And I decided, I made a decision at that time that if I get through this, I'm never coming back to this place because life shouldn't be lived when it's just absolutely unbearable pain. And so thankfully I got through that. I got through that depression. But I realized that, like I said, I would rather live through the, I would rather, I would rather die than live through the depression because the pain was unbearable and I had no hope of it ever passing. Depression steals your hope. It makes you hopeless. People around me tried to encourage me with hopeful antidotes that it would pass but I didn't believe that it would. 
I remained hopeless. I thought hope was based on belief. So I thought that since I didn't believe, I couldn't have any hope. And I know belief is something that we talk a lot about in this community. So I thought, thought for sure, I, you're telling me this, you're telling me that this is gonna get better, you're telling me that this will pass, you're telling me that this is temporary. I don't believe any of that. So surely if I don't believe, I can't be hopeful. So I got through that. I went through the next few years, not having a severe, as deep of a severe um, depression until June of this year. I had a big trigger. Me and the girls had a big traumatic event happen to us and it triggered me into a deep, deep depression. I was there again. My worst fear was happening. I was back in this place of darkness that I said I would never live through again. But at the time, one of my daughters, one of the girls was pregnant. So luckily I had an excuse, I had a reason. I said, this pain is so hard, but I'm gonna stay alive for this baby. That baby gave me hope. That baby gave me a reason to, to decide to stay alive. So I continued living, continued living. The pain became more and more unbearable. I became irritable with the girls. I became not a pleasure to be around. And then the baby was born. The baby was born, like hope came into the actual flesh. And 24 hours later, the baby died, bled to death, an awful, awful, unexpected death. And not only was I dealing with the trauma of that precious, fat, beautiful baby dying a painful death, I also had lost again my hope. I was back into a hopeless depression where I said, I can't live through this. So I decided that I was gonna reach out for help. I, I remember one day in, in particular, the day that I tried to take my life, I called a friend and I asked her to come over because I could feel death lurking. Like I could feel it became more than just a thought. It became a presence around me. I could feel death lurking around me. And I was just in so much pain that I would do anything to get out of it. And so I asked a friend to come over. I called her, she came over, she spent some time with me. And it was hard to call a friend because you know how when you're depressed, you know you're not the most fun person to be around. So you feel kind of, you know, I feel kind of guilty calling a friend to spend time with me um, when I'm in that space, but I did anyway. And she came over, we spent some time together. But then she had to go, she had dinner plans. And I asked her to please stay, but she couldn't because she had already made reservation dinner plans with another person. And I just knew that I couldn't live without her. I couldn't live without someone that day. I knew at that moment, I didn't know when I woke up that morning that that was the day that I was gonna die. But I knew at that moment when she told me she couldn't stay, that that was the day that I was gonna die, that I, I, was, I couldn't live with that pain anymore and I was going to die that day. So she left. I painfully made my way upstairs to my bedroom. 
I quickly Googled, made a plan on how I was gonna take my life that night. I had made a I had made a promise with three of my best friends because I had told them, I said, if I ever get this depressed again, I'm not gonna continue to live, but I will tell you when the time comes for me to die so that you can be with me. I don't want to die alone. Please be with me. Please don't let me just have to die a lonely death. Like stay with me. So I sent them messages and they rallied behind me like amazing friends do. Um, even though they didn't agree with my decision, they still didn't leave me. They stayed with me as I had taken the medication. I decided to die by overdose. They stayed with me as I had taken the medication. But one of my friends, she just, as, as, the, as the medicine started taking effect, she just couldn't take it anymore. And so she reached out. Somehow the information got all the way from my friends in the States to Kenya, to my home, to my friend. And next thing I knew, my friend was in my bedroom having me throw up the medication that I had taken to try and end my life. And I woke up and realized, oh my gosh, I'm still alive. And that feeling was so, was so difficult because I hadn't even considered the fact that I might survive this. Like surviving wasn't even something that I had thought might happen. Um, and so we continued, I continued to live I, I my, my friends didn't leave by my didn't leave my side, so I had to continue living. And I but I still was experiencing hopelessness because I was completely depressed and depression stills your hope, stills your hope. But I learned something. I learned something from this. As I got better, as the days went by, it did get better. As I got the proper interventions, it did get better. As I realized that. I didn't have to have hope. I didn't have to believe to have hope. I could depend on my siblings, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my, my, my community to have hope for me. I realized that when depression takes your hopelessness, you can borrow other people's hope. And so I talked to you about this today on the day after World Suicide Prevention Day, I offer you my hope anybody that might be feeling hopeless and maybe not even believe, have the capacity to believe and hope, or have the capacity to believe in much else. I offer you my hope because depression has taught me that we are able to depend on each other's hope. And I can say to you, and you can borrow this for me, if you can't believe it for yourself, you can borrow it, it gets better. For me, it didn't get better really quickly. For some people it might, but it's hard, it's still hard. It's still really hard. But every piece of hope that each part of my community has given me, it's been like a, like a plaque of wood on a bridge that I've been able to walk over. I might not have been able to create the bridge myself, but I've been able to walk across this bridge of hope created by my community members. You don't have to believe me. Hope isn't based on belief. You can just lean on me as your sister and let the work of hope do, let, let me do the work of hoping for you. 
We don't have to believe. We don't have to do the work of hoping for ourselves when we can't. Depression has taught me that we can sit back and watch that bridge be created by our community members. And all we have to do is keep walking through life one wood placard at a time created by the hope of our community members, our siblings in Christ. And that's the nature of our interconnectedness. We lean on each other for what we need when we can't access it within ourselves. Yes, even hope. Individualism would tell us that, you know, we have to just get ourselves out of this thing. Individualism would tell us that we, you know, we just have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Individualism would tell us that if we don't have hope, we need to work harder and just believe. But what about when we can't believe? What about when we don't believe? What about when the pain is so unbearable that even attempting to believe is too much to ask? I invite, I ask, I invite anyone that might be going through something similar. And what depression has taught me is that we can lean into our community to do that work for us. And to please, as we celebrate, as we close this week, of National Suicide Prevention Week. Let's all be those pieces of wood, those, those steps that people can walk across and lead into life. Because what we're trying to do is, we're not saying that we have to, and especially for me, I have to start with myself first, before I can do this for my girls, before I can do this for my community, before I can do this for anyone else, I have to do this work for myself. I realized that as I walked that path of hope, I learned that I don't have to keep living just for the sake of life, just for the sake of life itself. I don't have to keep living in pain just because it's the right thing to do. And that's what I thought initially when I was feeling hopeless. I thought, well, people just want you to just live and just live in pain. But that's not it. That's not the solution. What if together as a community, as a family, we're able to deal with the pain itself, get rid of the pain and keep you alive at the same time? What if it's not about, what if hope offers us you not having to die in order for the pain to go away, but for the pain to go away and you be able to live at the same time? And that's what depression has taught me about hope. Depression has taught me that interconnectedness is how we function. It's taught me that I can lean on other people when I don't have all of what I need. It's taught me that, in, that independence can be toxic. It's taught me that I, I'm more valuable than my pain. It's taught me that I can have a limit. It's taught me that I can have a limit to my pain, that I don't have to continue to suffer. It's taught me about the importance of medical interventions for times when it's needed. And I just hope that today I can encourage anyone on this call that has ever felt hopeless. I hope that my hope, I give my hope as an offering to you. I give my hope as an offering that you can carry and you can hold and you can use whenever you might need it. Thank you. Brittany, thank you for uh, sharing of yourself this morning. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do. Um, 
And I suppose in following up with that, I'm curious to know um, from the rest of us here in this community, what it looks like for you to find hope and um, what it looks like for you to, um, you know, experience a hope in connection with who you are in your faith or where you've come from in your faith. Um, what this um, brings up, uh, as Brittany's shared with us this morning, what this brings up in you that you would be comfortable to share, of course. Yeah, and I'm also open, open for questions as well, if anyone has anything directed to me. Yeah, Brittany, just again, I just want to uh, thank you uh, for your vulnerability. Um, I think you always have a way of uh, sharing yourself with us that um, that really can open up some some places for us um, that we don't always go. So thank you for um, for allowing um, your voice to to uh, be a part of our community in that way. Um, I just I just wanted to know, I really um, appreciated one of the things you said towards the end um, that got me thinking just in terms of individualism versus uh, community, right? Um, and the idea that in so many things, especially those of us in America and those of us, um, you know, very much plugged into American culture have been taught and conditioned to view everything uh, as an individual, right? You, I think you even used the phrase like the bootstraps mentality. Um, you know, even, even our own faiths um, quickly become, it's all about my personal, right? faith in Jesus Christ and my personal walk. And it's always just very individualistic. Um, but I really enjoyed the, the connection you made in the power of community. And even in a thing like hope, um, like um, optimism, like, um, you know, any, any motivation needed to keep going and how often I can certainly relate to when, when I am the only person I'm trying to get that from, and it's not there, you're kind of out of options, right? Like if your tanks are depleted, that's it. Um, so I, I just, you put it in a really simple way, but I, I just struck me as incredibly powerful um, and something that I, I can certainly relate to, to say, you know, whether it's, whether it's faith, right, these faiths that we hold, whether it's um, uh, the, the things that we're passionate about, and whether it's our own mental well-being and health, um, we need each other um, and we, we, uh, we are relational beings and oftentimes that hope um, and that motivation to keep going is directly and only connected with those around us um, to activate something within us. So um, yeah, we talk, we talk a lot about individualism um, and, and, how, and how it affects the many things that we do um, um, 
in this community. So I appreciate you naming that as, as yet another way that um, we rely on our siblings, um, our community members and our neighbors. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. I, I hear you, I agree. I think even in this context, um, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest, biggest symptoms of depression is isolation. And I, I would, I would, um, I wonder, I, I wonder what it would look like if we all kind of had a, like a, like a, a resilient, a sense of showing up for each other, even when we don't have the power to ask for that showing up. Like, what would a really resilient, vibrant sense of interconnectedness, interconnectedness, look like? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Hi, this is Diana. Um, Brittany, I just want to say thank you for sharing something so, um, so private and so vulnerable that really needs to be brought out into the light because so many people don't talk about the things that you just talked about. And I think it really speaks to the building of community by sharing something and bringing us in and letting us be a part of your experience and understanding what you went through. And I'm really grateful to your friends who, while they gave you the support that you asked for in the moment, they also kept you here on earth. Um, my brother died by suicide many, many years ago, and I have struggled a lot with severe, severe depression. And I'm just really grateful for those like you who can talk about what their struggles are and show us that we're not alone, that this is not something that only, you know, one person struggles with it. That is, this is something that is, it's really common. Um, and, and creating that community and bringing us into it is just so incredibly powerful. So I'm really grateful that you shared everything that you shared today. And I'd like to say the talk on the individualism stuff too is like, in this country, we don't understand things that we don't experience. And that's a lot of why we're at odds. It's a lot of why we're so polarized right now. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for sharing also. Thank you, Emily. I'm sorry about your brother or Diana. I'm sorry about your brother. Um, and yes, please, like I said, I also struggle very much with depression. So let's do this life together. Like let's do life together. Like we're in this together. Let's keep each other alive. I'll send you my number private message.
just gonna make another connection that I don't know if anyone uh, resonates with. I've been thinking a lot recently about the idea of toxic hope um, and the way that I've seen that show and in 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 uh, in contrast to the hope that that Brittany you've talked about and it's been discussed here because there's often this this thing that I've noticed especially among uh, um, American evangelicalism and American Christianity but just our, our our society in general in which things are really hard right now right I think we're all <laughs> pretty much on the same page about that and yet usually when it gets to a point of like doing something about it I often hear the you know, I'm just going to have hope that it's going to turn out all right. And it's often used as really just saying, I, I don't actually do anything about this. And so I agree that everything's broken. And I agree that there's probably some steps that we could take. I mean, I find myself doing it too. There's probably some, some steps we could take towards fixing this, but I'm going to choose to say, you know what, I just have hope. And oftentimes it's like, I have hope in God, or, you know, I have hope in, in Jesus. Um, and I often hear that. And then I always think, yes, <laughs> good. Uh, hope is a good thing. And we need to be really mindful that it's not used um, in a, in a toxic way that really just plasters over pain. Um, and so um, just, just to note again, I think, um, I think the way that we do that, right, and I've been struggling with, okay, so how do we do that? How do we hold that hope um, and that optimism while actually having it be a motivation and a, um, a catalyst for change and growth? And I think one of the ways we do that is to do it collectively, right? If we have a collective hope, a communal hope, then it's, it's, it's sort of a motivating energy and a motivating source for a community, Um uh, especially a faith community, right? I know so many of us come <laughs> from different uh, churches and backgrounds and denominations where we were probably very familiar with that sort of toxic hope as, I, as I'm labeling it. Um, but this sort of, oh, don't you worry about it. We'll send up a few prayers and move along and then nothing changes. And you're left with the feeling of, you know, did, it, did the prayers not work? Did God not listen? Did God listen? And I'm still in this place of hopelessness, right? Um, and it really pushes us in a lot of different ways. So the more we can transform it into this idea of communal hope of saying, hope looks like being a good neighbor. Hope looks like being there for one another, for showing up for each other, for doing life together, for, for being the hope for each other when the other person that can't do it. Um, I think that's I think that's the key um, to 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 living, <laughs> and especially living in these times, um, and and doing the work that's before us um, in a way that's sustainable. So, um, yeah, just wanted just wanted to share that that thought too as, as I've been sitting here listening. Just to kind of piggyback on the community aspect of, of things, um, I was actually listening to a podcast today and they were talking about doers and feelers and how, you know, everybody has their own thing, but there are people who feel very, very, um, feel very, very much. And it's heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, and they just kind of want to sit under a blanket. And 
not do anything. And then there are the doers, but they have all the ideas, right? The feelers have a lot of ideas of this is what's going on in the world. And this is what I'm feeling. And, and then the doers come in and they do it all. And they say, look, here's a solution. Here's a solution. And I think that's another reason why community is so important for us is that we have intense feelers and we can also have, and we have intense doers. And so um, I think that's just another reason why our community and just community in a whole is just so important. Uh, well, I just wanted to say um, thank you again, uh, Brittany. I uh, I wanted to note too for our community. Uh, if if you're struggling, if you know someone who's struggling, um, here I'll put the the formal um, suicide prevention hotline um, and lifeline. They have a bunch a bunch of amazing resources um, that's there. But um, but also right, if you don't don't feel like going that route, and um, it's more of just um, a general struggle, please know. I know we've been saying it for a while and it probably gets old and stale uh, doing Zoom this long, but uh, the leaders and the community members of this uh, congregation are here um, and we're here to help. Um, and if one of us might not be able to help, that's why we have a community. Um, so please reach out to us. Um, all of our contact is through the website or um, you know, you can send us messages or emails, whoever you have. Um, but I wanted to make sure you you all all know that too. It's it's a hard time, um, so there's no reason to to suffer alone if you don't have to. So please know that we're here for you. <coughs> Thanks for that, Desiree. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Angie, if you're still listening, this is Doug. What is, when is the, the Kenneth Village event? That's Wednesday. When, this Wednesday at uh, 6 p.m., Doug. And what's it all about? We're just gonna be meeting right there at, there's a Froyo place called Yoga Ert, right there on Kenneth Road. Um, and right next door is a Hawaiian shaved ice if you're not into Froyo and want another kind of dessert. So we'll just uh, grab something and spend a little time outside together for anyone who's interested. Okay, sounds, sounds good. Have any other notes? I don't think so. Um, uh, yeah, it just echoing what Max said, this is a community. We're thankful that you guys are all a part of it and that um, we are in this together. So where, wherever there are ways that we can um, help and be supportive community, please let us know. It's especially hard to know how to do that when we're so distanced. Um, but uh, yeah, this community is here. We have provisions financially and otherwise for those kinds of difficulties and mental health professionals who are all in and around this community. Um, please reach out. Uh, we wanna make sure this is a place where we don't just talk about love, but where we really feel and support one another. So thank you all for being here and being a part of this community. 
Um, we'll look forward to seeing you at any of our events or uh, seeing you next week right here on Zoom. I look forward to seeing more of you guys now that I'm in LA. <laughs> we do too, Brittany. And thank you again so much for being here and sharing with us this morning. Of course. Have a great Sunday, guys.